When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 426 of Sustainable Minimalists. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we're discussing the ways in which a routine meditation practice fits into our life of intention. Now, I want to say at the outset, this is a different type of episode than normal. It's deeply spiritual in nature. It's not religious. I want to be clear about that. And specifically, this episode seeks to drill down the number one free, as in cost no money, way to help us come back to ourselves in a world in which we are distracted, in which we are pulled away from ourselves and towards the next shiny, glitzy, shimmery thing at every turn. And so if you hate this episode, the good news is we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled programming. If you love it, that's amazing. Let me know and we'll add more of such content into the rotation. Today I'm speaking with Brett Kuhn. Brett is a meditation teacher and an inspirational speaker. Now before we get into the interview, a quick plug for Thursday's episode. On Thursday's episode, we're discussing... New Year's resolutions, yes, but we're also talking about our annual January no-spend reset. It's not a challenge. You don't have to muster up the energy to do something. It's a reset. You just fall into what the season, the post-holiday season, is calling many of us to do, which is reset. No spending on frivolous items, on not necessary items for all of January. I so hope you'll join us as a community and participate. I'll be breaking it down on Thursday's episode. Now back to today's episode, Brett, I am so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being a part of this, especially what you do and how it aligns with meditation. I must say, I have not done a full 30-minute interview about meditation before, and we met by happenstance. I do feel like it was kismet. I felt like you were the perfect person to do this with me, and so I'm so excited to get into that, but before we do, we're just going to start with an easy, breezy, really simple question, which is, who are you? Well, my name is Brett Kuhn, and I'm a meditation teacher. I've been doing inspirational speaking for about 20 years. And I lead retreats. And I guess we can mention later, I've got a retreat coming up in Bali in February, but I'm just somebody that's really interested in 
not just only discovering, but fully realizing the truth of who I am. And that's my driving force is just to really, not only for myself, but all my talks, my classes, they all have a similar thread. And that's to ask the question, who are you? And have people sincerely reflect on that so that they can discover something deeper than this story that we've all come up to believe who we are. And so I help people to move past the story and into something that's uh, eternal and real within themselves. Well, how did you get here? How did you find yourself teaching meditation to others for, I believe it's over two decades now. How did you get here? Yeah, you know, I was raised up Baptist. Certain ideas were forced upon me when I was young. And it was really in the search for who I am and in the search that really ultimately we all have, and that is how do we discover how to be happy, right? Because the truth is, no matter what people do and, and why we choose to do it, ultimately behind every window, it's like, how do I become happy? Some people search it through power or control or money. Some people search it through humility or even God. So for me, my dad passed in 92, and it was really a time of reflection for me because I was just so sad about my dad's passing. He was my hero, and I had a wonderful relationship with him. And to have him pass away really just was a catalyst for me diving deeper. And so in that search, I uh, later, it was about a year after his death, I think I did a workshop and I thought I had grieved, fully grieved my dad's passing, but in truth I hadn't. And after doing the workshop, all these nightmares were coming up, literally nightmares. Night after night, I was waking up in a cold sweat and I go, man, I don't know what's going on. And I just said, God, I don't know if you exist and I don't know how to meditate. Dad, if you're there, I'm just giving this whole thing over because I don't know what to do. And I just sat still for a moment. And then all of a sudden, I just felt this rush of, I can only describe it as energy that came within me. And then all these thoughts begin to unravel in my head about how I was trying to so hard to save my dad. And I thought that I could have done more. And I realized that I had done as much as I could. But that experience opened the door for me to say, there's more here, and I'm going to explore it and find out what it is. I hear it often said amongst people who, I'm going to use the analogy of asleep and awake, perhaps, people who were living their lives asleep or not awake, perhaps, to what else might be out there, that a big turning point to jolt them awake was grief. Why do you think that is? It gets you in touch with the pain within ourselves. Behind every pain, there's always some kind of fear that's behind it. For me, in grieving my dad, it was so challenging to be present and really experience such deep pain. But at the same time, it was this beautiful gift, this gift of letting go of some kind of fear and pain that I've been holding on to. And I feel like the more I let go of this need and attachment for my dad to be here, the more I had awoken to the fact that I have everything I need. Like with my dad's passing, it only was 
a precipice for me to discover that whatever my dad had to offer me, I have that within myself as well. And so for me, it was powerful and it was some kind of beautiful beginning to something new. For me, my meditation practice, and it's really in its infancy, it's been only like a handful of years, let's say, but I was just looking for stress reduction. I was told that if I want to reduce my levels of stress with two young children at home, I should carve aside 10 minutes every day to meditate. And so I did it religiously. I am a rule follower and I did it. And yes, I did receive a reduction in my levels of stress, certainly, but that was like a side benefit, let's say. It was a it was an unintended happy secondary benefit. The primary benefit, I believe, was that meditation shook me awake to who I truly am. So I already asked you this question, but I'm going to ask you again, because I think you might have a different answer for me. Who are you? So I'm, I'm going to speak it to really in a more general way. And that is that we all grow up and we're assigned these names. And then our parents, in the best of their abilities, offer what they believe the truth is. Our teachers do the same thing, ministers. Everyone is out there giving their opinions of what the truth is. So we collect all these ideas over our whole lifetime, and we come up with this story to say, this is who Brett is. This is who Stephanie is. And the truth of who we are, it's not about something that we create. Because a lot of people are out there trying to create a good life. There's nothing to create. What there is to do is to let go of the false beliefs that we're holding on to about who we are. And when somebody releases those and lets go of those, then we can discover something that is already there. So we're all searching for peace, joy, love, and we're searching for these things because ultimately, again, we want happiness. But as we continue to let go of all these false beliefs of who we are, the natural truth of who we are begins to reveal itself. So that's what an awakening awakening is. And you mentioned about reducing stress. And I want to give a definition to stress. Stress is wanting life to be different than what it is. As soon as something happens and you go, oh man, I, I don't like this. I don't want this. And so, so many people are trying to get rid of this experience. They're praying or doing whatever they can to get out of this experience. But it's that very experience that has been brought to us by life or God, whatever one wants to call it, to help us to awaken to the truth of who we are. Everything is unfolding exactly as it needs to. So you asked the question, who am I? What I am, what we all are at the core is just awareness of all of life. And so when we talk about awakening, Eckhart Tolle, for those of you who are familiar with him, Eckhart Tolle gives a wonderful description that says, awakening is when the awareness and the mind separate. When the awareness and the mind separate. In other words, mind being our thoughts and our feelings. And feelings come, it's kind of a thought with lag time, I once heard it described as, but feelings come when we believe a thought to be true And then we'll have a certain experience with that thought. We might like it. We might not like it. Whatever that 
is about our liking of it or dislike will be the result of the feeling. So we talk about feelings or the heart as being emotional, but actually emotions are more of the mind because when you believe the thought or don't, and you buy into it, you're going to have a feeling based on that. So meditation, of course, is about helping you to move beyond those thoughts so that you can stop listening to them the thoughts that say, I'm not good enough, or they're not good enough, or I need life to be this way or that way. That's where we come with our stress is because we're needing life or wanting life to look a certain way, but that's not what we're given. So we have the choice to either accept it or reject it. If we reject it, we're just going to have stress. If we can accept it, it doesn't mean you don't have feelings of frustration or anger or disappointment, but we get to be a witness to those things. And that's what's said when it's be in the world, but not of it. Listen and and watch and witness everything going on, but don't let it pull you into the drama of it. That's where stress takes over. Mm. So I'm hoping you can give me that Eckhart definition one more time. Awakening is when the mind and awareness separate. I was teaching a meditation class over in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I'm in the class and the one person, I said, Karen, you've been quiet all this time. And she said, I'm just not a very good meditator. And I go, oh, really? Why is that? You know? And she said, it's just that my, my mind is saying this and my mind is saying that. And she's describing to me everything her mind is saying. And I said, that's really interesting because apparently you are aware of everything your mind is saying, which is exactly what meditation is. But the difference is you are buying into some kind of belief that it needs to look different, that meditation needs to look a different way. All you need to do with meditation is simply be aware of the thoughts. You don't need to try to fight them off or push them away or get rid of them. All you need to do is simply be aware of them and kind of like a cloud passing by, you just let them pass on by because you're not going to judge the cloud. You're not going to try to change the cloud. You're not going to fight against it. Or do it. It's the same thing with a thought. You don't need to get involved with the thought. Just simply notice it in, in a meditation point of view or mindfulness meditation. Then you simply come back to being aware of your breath. You know, my boy Eckhart, I've read him multiple times because the first time is never enough. Uh, but he also says, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the awareness that your thoughts are doing all this stuff, the awareness is the true you. And correct me if I'm wrong on that. However, I just want to say, okay, so if awakening is when the mind and awareness separate, I would argue that it takes time for the mind and awareness to separate. And many of us in 2023, almost 2024, we don't give ourselves the time and the space and the quiet to allow our mind to separate from our awareness just because of life's distractions. And so let's talk about those distractions. Let's talk about those modern distractions because they are numerous. It almost seems as though our modern life has kind of been engineered toward distraction, hasn't it? Like I'm talking, I'm thinking about the phones, the really smart computers that we always have on our persons, uh, the news cycle. Talk to me about distractions. What are the biggest ones and why are they harmful from your perspective as a meditation coach and teacher? 
the problem where we get into with distractions is our attachments to how life we want our mind. Let's be clear on that. It's our mind wanting life to look a certain way again, which ties back into stress. So attachments really are ultimately where our stress has come from because we want something one way and it's being given to us in a different way. And it might come, it might come in the way that we want it. And we might say, oh, great. I won the lottery. That is fantastic. I'm now a millionaire. And we might enjoy it for a period of time. But I think I had saw one of your posts where we were talking about the external and how people are reaching out to look for happiness in the the external world. And we can find it. And we can live a relatively good life, but unless you return home to the truth of who you are and you're still coming through the mind, you'll never fully be satisfied because the mind can't be satisfied. The mind, based on past programming and, and past experiences, the mind simply wants things the way it wants. Now, in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. It's okay, but... It depends whether we're buying into that or if we're just being a witness to it. That's the difference. The witness says, okay, mind, you can have or want to have whatever you want to have. That's fine. But the witness just recognizes it and says, that's not the truth of who I am. When you connect with that deeper truth that is the awareness, what you were describing, then you can simply be a compassionate witness to life and truly not want anything or need anything to be different than what it is. But as long as we're coming from the head and we're in the mind, then we're just going to have problems. That speaks to me, Brett. You have just uh, encapsulated my existence in three minutes. <laughs> but... It seems to me that we are collectively, as a culture, so mind-focused, right? We're, or we're ego-based, I guess would be a better way of saying that. We're pursuing the wrong things. We're acquiring the wrong things. We're almost, and this is my cynical side coming through, but we're almost like living in this alternate reality of source that's so far removed from our true essence, let's say. So here's, you know, another easy breezy question. I'm just going to... Sh- Give it to you and see what you do. Why are we here? Well, there's some teachers that would say to not get caught up in why we're here and just to flow and be with life. So I'll say that that's a possibility. People can uh, proceed that way if they want. But for me, and I know a lot of the teachers that I've studied with, really, why we're here is to discover the truth of who we are. So we again come into this world and we begin to listen to all these beliefs and we come up with an opinion and a story and a self-image and a personality that all leads us to wanting to be somebody, right? Because as long as we're coming from the story and the head is never satisfied, so we're always, if that's our identification and we think this is who we are, we're always going to strive to be somebody. We're going to want to be famous or rich or the best athlete or the best author, whatever it is, we're going to want something because we're relying on proving our worth in some ways. But the truth is, there's nothing you need to earn. There's nothing anybody needs to earn to prove their worth. All we have to do, again, the practice is to let go of 
the stories that we've collected. And as we do that, like I said, the natural truth of who we are begins to reveal itself. But here's the thing. We can wake up from sleep and we go, oh, I was just dreaming. But what we have a harder time recognizing is that even that waking state, when we're still believing that we're a good person or a bad person or we're angry or all these stories, if we're still identifying with the body and the mind in some way, we're still asleep. We're just in a different dream state. That's all. And that's so important because most people never recognize that. And they go, come on, I'm awake. How can I be dreaming? It's easy to see when we wake up from sleep. But when you wake up from the sleep of life and all of a sudden you have this experience where you step beyond your body and you step beyond your mind, it's one of these kind of wow moments where you go, whoa, I had no idea of who I really was. No idea. And to just give an example of how out of touch we are with the truth of who we are, and that is if you listen to ourselves or anybody else talk, they'll say, I'm cold, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm, I, I'm having heart problems, I. The eyes are all connecting with the emotions or the beliefs or the physical aspect of who we are. So self-inquiry, which is a beautiful technique, offers us an out by saying, just keep watching and who is saying, I am hungry. Because when I'm connected with the truth of who I am, I see that I am completely satisfied. I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, come on now, we got to eat. Yeah, I take care of the body. That's fine. But recognize these thoughts that say, I am angry. I am frustrated. Who's angry? Who's frustrated? Because if we dive a little deeper, we'll see that it's not the essence of who we are. It's our mental programming that we've said, because this thing happened and I don't like it, therefore I'm angry. And so there's a lot to unravel in there, but that's giving people a clue of how they can return home to who they truly are. Yes, there's so much to unravel there, Brett. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd also- I know. I gave you a lot in a short period. <laughs> but I would also say too, though, just piggybacking off what you're saying is that if listeners are listening right now and they're saying, what on earth is Brett talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> And they might be. And that's okay too. That's your cue though, to go inside. Because once you go internal, it's going to start to make sense. Just going back to Eckhart for a minute, I had... I think it was his second book, A New Earth. Somebody had just like randomly given it to me. And so I started reading it. This was a couple of years ago. I was like, I have no idea what this book says. This is not for me. I tabled it. But I didn't declutter it for whatever reason. I didn't give it away. Fast forward to 2023, who read it and understood every single word? Me. And so I say that to say, okay, maybe this, maybe none of what we're talking about makes sense right now, but it will if you go inward. So Brett, we got to take our break. But when we come back, I want to, of course, drill down the how, like how can we start? <laughs> how can we turn away from the world's distractions so that we, again, focus inwards? But I also want to ask you how the world would be different if the masses, if an awful lot of us turned away from these external distractions and focused inwards instead. So I'm going to ask you that 
Get ready for it (laughs) after a quick sponsor break. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Today I am speaking with Brett Kuhn. He has been practicing meditation himself for, I believe you said, 32 years. Wow. Wow. I alluded before the break, Brett, that I was going to ask you this question. And so I'm going to ask it. How, in your view, would the world be different if the masses turned away from all the distractions, the news cycle, the cell phones, the social media, the fashion, the looking great externally, all of those distractions, what would the world be like if we turned away from all of that and turned inwards instead? That's a tricky question, and I'll tell you why. Because I would never recommend somebody waiting for that to happen. (laughs) And the truth is, a lot of people are waiting for things to happen. I do watch a lot of Christians take this path of, when I die, then I'll go to heaven. And I don't have any judgment about that. I just want to support people on coming to a place now. There's something beautiful that's available right now. So I would say, to answer that question, I have to say, just don't wait. Don't wait, because the truth is, if you look at the Dalai Lama or Eckhart Tolle, there's many awakened teachers that are walking around on this earth right now. They're not waiting for anything to happen. When you're rooted in the truth of who you are, that everything's naturally unfolding, actually, the way it needs to unfold. And it's hard for people to understand that, or maybe they don't believe it. And by the way, I'm not here to 
try to convince anybody of anything. I'm sincere about that. All I'm offering is an opportunity to just go deep within and explore. But I will say this, don't wait for something to happen. Don't wait for yourself to get more money. Don't wait for yourself to get the right job or the right relationship. Those are all traps that keep you from just being present and enjoying this beautiful moment right here. You don't need to create a beautiful life. Life is already beautiful, but your mind has a lot to say about that that keeps you from experiencing that truth. I also want to just go back just a little bit, Stephanie, because I don't feel like I fully gave you an answer on distraction. I would say when you get to the point and recognize that there's something that your mind is like, it's your attachments, your desires, and your mind is so busy trying to figure things out. Like, how can I accomplish this? I would offer, explore what it feels like to let go of the mind figuring out anything. Because to be honest with you, there's absolutely nothing to figure out. And I'm going to say that again. There's not one thing you need to use the mind to figure out. There's a good function for the mind, but we've made the mind the master and us the slave. We're listening to all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the programming, and we're believing it. And that's why people feel I'm not enough. They're not enough. The world's not enough. And it's just a crazy mess that we're creating. So I would say when a person is ready just to say, you know what, I'm letting go of my need to figure all of this out. And I'm going to trust that there's a deeper intelligence beyond the mind. And that thing that is beyond the mind, our essence is eternal. The body's going to die. The mind's going to die. All your thoughts come and go. Your feelings come and go. Your experiences come and go your senses come and go with your experiences. Everything comes and goes except for one thing, and that's the truth of who we are. So don't wait for the world to change. You have an opportunity to be at peace right now in this very moment right here. Brett, you said that the world's and circumstances, let's say external circumstances, they're naturally unfolding the way they're meant to unfold. And there's nothing to uncover, essentially. How does that relate to the climate crisis, though, in which humanity is on the precipice of going extinct? Talk to me about that. Yeah, you, we'll probably open up a big can of worms here, but it is what it is. And it's and it's okay. Wherever people want to go with it, they can go with it. But for me, the more I continue to open up to who I really am, I see that life, God knows exactly what it's doing. And it's always bringing us experiences to help us individually and as as a collective to open up to something deeper. And it's easy to for the mind to say, yeah, but this is going on. And so one of my teachers had said, Anytime, and this might be a little, it might even push your buttons or some other people's buttons, and it's okay. Again, you don't have to believe me on any of this stuff. But my teacher had said, anytime you're fighting for something, actually, Eckhart Tolle said, anytime you're fighting for something, you're going to get a fight. Anytime you're fighting for something, you're going to get a fight. And then another teacher of mine said, When you are a stand for something, fighting for something, or you're standing for something, you're going to create stress in your life. 
And that's because you're going against the grain. You're trying to flow, you're trying to swim upstream when all you need to do is surrender into the experience. What happens when you surrender into the experience? Now, whether you believe what I'm saying or not, it's okay, but I'm going to say, when you surrender into the experience, now you can connect with your own fear. You can connect with your own pain. And as you begin to be present with that and allow that to move through because it's not who you are, then you can see that peace is available no matter what. You don't see Eckhart Tolle stressing over anything. You don't see the Dalai Lama stressing over anything. And like I said, that's when you awaken to who you truly are, There's nothing to stress about because if it's contrary to what you feel or believe, then you know that's the ego self trying to to paint a certain image. Be present with that and be present with the pain and the fear of that. And the more you can move that through, then all of a sudden you can say, okay, I'm at peace with this. Now, coming at peace with it doesn't mean you can't take action. But most of the action that people take in this world is from a place of fear. We see that in the political realm. And quite oftentimes, and you see it in the Middle East right now, you see this tremendous angst with everybody going on, this hatred, this anger. It doesn't have to be that way, but we have to be big enough to own up to our own pain and move that through to back to a place of peace and then take action from that place. It's far more productive. It's far more powerful than anything in the world. If you truly want to serve the world and make it a better place, awaken to who you are and then tell me what your approach is because you'll have clarity on exactly what you need to do. It'll be divine inspiration. Okay. (laughs) So you said a lot there, Brett, and I'm going to listen to the audio multiple times before I think I fully am going to grasp your meaning. However, I did write down that everything's unfolding the way it's meant to unfold. Every time you're fighting, you're going to get a fight. I love that quote. However, shouldn't I? I mean, I don't know if Eckhart has children. I don't know that the Dalai Lama has children. I have two young children. And so through this podcast, I'm fighting for them. And I'm fighting for them to have a halfway decent future on a halfway livable planet. Yeah. My offer to you and my offer to anyone listening is there's a certain fear. There's a certain pain that's there and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's a no, and, and I have no judgment about that either, but I would say this, why would anyone want to carry that pain and that fear around? So what we can do as individuals is we can continue to meditate, move through things that aren't the truth, or at least discover what the truth is by letting go of our fear and our pain. And so when we do that, we're only serving ourselves and our family, by the way, because if we can come to a place of peace, what a gift it is to our friends, our family, and to the world. So I would say, don't believe me in what I'm saying about not fighting. Just That's fine. You don't have to believe me. I'm just inviting you Can you just be present with your own fear and your own pain and process that, move that through, and then make choices from there and see if there's not more clarity on the action that you want to take? Does that make sense? It makes sense. And as you're talking, I'm 
I feel my ego. I actually feel it coming up to the forefront and wanting to fight with you. I love a fight. I love a fight. I want to go for a fight. But let's bring it back to action steps for my listeners. For anybody who's still with us, who never, ever turned inward, and I think those people honestly probably clicked off and went to another podcast a long time ago, but what would their first steps be? You're saying the people that may have stuck around that you didn't think would? Yeah, like the people who maybe meditated here or there, they didn't get much benefit out of it. Like, okay, how- I would say let's just take meditation, you know, and what meditation is. Meditation ultimately is just sitting and being. That's all, sitting and being. Now, when I say being, it means there's no doingness involved. So, like from a perspective of mindful meditation, which is simply you're sitting and you're just observing the breath, you're just noticing it. And as you notice it, all of a sudden the mind gets busy and we have about 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And that's literally a thought going on every second. It's very difficult to be at peace and relaxing in the world if we're really listening to everything the mind has to say and particularly believing what the mind has to say. It's okay to notice it and be aware of it, but if it's pulling you into drama or stress, you're just not going to live a pleasant life. So I would say if a person can just literally just sit, close their eyes and just notice the breath and then the thoughts, the mind's going to get busy. Let the mind get busy. This is a common myth by meditation. When I go to teach classes, a lot of times people are like, yeah, I'm not a good meditator. I just, I don't know how to still my mind. And I'll just say, please stop trying to still your mind. You don't have to still your mind. All you have to do is just simply be aware of the busyness of the mind. Oh, okay, see, my mind's really busy. Oh, I okay, I see my mind seems really grumpy. I see my mind is angry. I see my mind. It's not us that is all of these things. We are simply the witness to life. We are the witness to the feelings, the thoughts, the experiences, our bodies, we're witness to our minds. We're the witness to these things. So I would say ultimately just sit and just notice a breath when the mind gets busy. Don't try to fight off the thoughts. Don't try to get rid of them. Just notice them and come back to being aware of the breath. And just if you can, just take five minutes in the morning, set the day. And sometimes five minutes can seem like eternity for some people because they're not used to stilling, just going quiet. And the mind can seem just like a jackhammer going off in their heads. But just notice that. And so the more we can just notice it without making any of it wrong, then we can begin to sense that peace not only is possible in the meditation, but peace is always possible because even you're your wanting to duke it out with me for, for your beliefs, just I would offer, just notice those thoughts. Just notice those beliefs. Notice that that part of you wants to fight. And it's okay. I'm not even trying to correct that for you. I'm just saying just simply notice it. The more you notice it, and as your boy Eckhart Tolle has said, anytime that you bring awareness to anything, there's a healing that takes place there. Tell us all. First of all, about your meditation retreat in Bali. Tell us also where we can find you on the World Wide Web. You've got so much goodness. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. My, my website is mindfulmeditation.services. Mindfulmeditation.services. Mindful meditation is all one word. And you can find all the information you want about where I'm speaking, where I'm teaching. I'm in the Detroit, Michigan area. I travel around the state speaking at different churches mainly, also presentations at libraries. My retreat is in Bali, Indonesia in February. I was gifted from a friend of mine after doing a talk, and she said, how'd you like to lead a retreat in Bali? And I go, yeah. She's from Bali, and uh, she lived there a couple of years. She speaks the language, so she knows the lay of the land. It's going to be an absolutely spectacular trip. Brad, thank you for your time. I wish you and your family the most wonderful holiday season. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, that's a wrap, my friends. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 426. Now, before we say goodbye, all I want for Christmas is your Apple Podcasts reviews. I know, I always ask for them. I feel like a broken record. But if you listen to the show and you love it, please consider leaving a quick rating. A rating will take you 0.5 seconds. And if you have a little extra time, perhaps you even write a little review there as well. It is the number one way to help this show grow. And I thank you so much during this season in which you're super busy, super stressed. I thank you so much for supporting this show and other shows from independent creators that you love by leaving those ratings and reviews. Thank you so much. I will see you Thursday where we're discussing that no spend reset. See you then and take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.